The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Luke writes, Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, dear saints, we seem to love those mountaintop spiritual experiences such as Peter, James, and John had at the, in our gospel reading for today. Perhaps it's for us a Christian music festival or a concert, a a retreat, maybe a camp or a conference that inspires us and gives us a renewed energy for the ministry or for the mission of the church. The problem is, though, that those moments are far and few between. We have to go back down the mountain to where the real work needs to be done. We cannot expect that worship will be like an inspirational experience each and every week or that pyrotechnics and ziplining preachers will show up to give us a thrill each and every Sunday. Instead, though, we get something better. We get the pure word of God preached and proclaimed by faithful ones who proclaim the good news at the bottom of the mountain. Week after week, year after year. This is something to rejoice about. It is through the long haul that we grow and mature in our following of Jesus. But who is this Jesus? Who is he really? I mean, is he a nice guy, an inspirational teacher, a social reformer? Many of his opponents thought that he was 
demon-possessed and was raving mad. But who is he, really? Now, be mindful that this question isn't whether Jesus actually existed or not. No, there's too much ancient evidence, even from non-Christian sources, such as the Jewish historian Josephus, to be able to dismiss the fact that Jesus lived here on earth. Even a recent internet study declared Jesus to be the most famous person on earth. Yes, Jesus' life on earth is well documented. But who is this carpenter from Nazareth, this son of Joseph and Mary? You see, just before our text today, Jesus himself had asked his disciples this very question. Who do the people say that I am? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, but others, they say Elijah, and others, that one of the prophets has risen. But what about you? Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's a question for us here also. The most important question that anyone will ever be faced with. Who is Jesus? Today, Luke takes us to this mountaintop with Jesus, Peter, James, and John for the most spectacular show-and-tell presentation ever. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, and they were talking with him. Now, for Luke's original audience, familiar with the Old Testament and longing for the Messiah that it, that it pointed to, this conversation with Moses, Moses and Elijah, it was most significant. In Exodus 24, it was Moses who took three companions, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, up the mountain to meet with God, where the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain. A cloud, it covered the mountain, and Moses went up into it. And there God, he spoke to him. Afterwards, Moses' face shone after being in God's presence. And it was believed by the people of old that Elijah would literally return as the forerunner to the coming of the Savior, based on what the prophet Malachi had said. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Malachi 4.5. So Luke, he, he tells us that there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah stands in the presence of the Savior. His return was pronounced. Moses also stands in the presence of the one who is greater than he. For whereas Moses could only give the Ten Commandments, which cannot save us, 
but only show us how much that we truly do need a savior. Jesus has brought his saving help to the world by fulfilling them perfectly for all people and for freeing us from the condemnation of this law with his sacrificial death to win forgiveness of sins for the life of the world. This right here is the departure which Jesus was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem and which Moses and Elijah were speaking with him about. His betrayal, his arrest, his trial and crucifixion where he bore the sins of the world on his shoulders. This is what Jesus had already explained to his disciples himself just before today's text, that he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. But his disciples, they didn't understand. Jesus' talk of his departure, it seemed impossible. It all sounded like such a defeat. And in today's language, we would, we would call it an epic failure. Up until this point, Jesus had brought people freedom, life, hope, and peace by miraculously triumphing over the forces of nature, the demonic realm, sickness, and even death itself. If he had overcome even death, how could he now possibly succumb to it? They didn't understand that Jesus could only be the savior of the world by taking our place on the cross, dying to save us. So the disciples, they are given a fleeting revelation of Jesus' glory to assure them about Jesus' identity and his mission. Jesus, he was shown plainly to be much more than merely a special person, a good moral teacher or a social revolutionary. But in Christ, the glory of God has come to earth and is in the midst of the people. Who is Jesus? He is not merely Joseph and Mary's son, but the son of God from all of eternity, confirmed by the booming voice from heaven. This is my son, whom I have chosen, listen to him. The fleeting revelations of Jesus' divine glory was to assure the disciples that even though he would be handed over to the ruling authorities to unjustly suffer and die, this was no failure. In fact, this was the very way that he would conquer sin death, and the devil. His death would not end with death, but with his resurrection and new life with God for all those who trust and believe in him. 
all that was shown on the Mount of Transfiguration, preserved for us in today's gospel text and scriptures. The presence of the key Old Testament figures, Elijah and Moses, the mountain, the glory cloud, the voice of God, Jesus' shining face and garments, they all powerfully show that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that God had promised his people from the old. Peter, he goes on and says to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Peter was right. It was good to be there in the presence of the Savior of the world. But Peter, he didn't listen. He can't hang on to this moment, this mountaintop experience. They can't have this glory without the cross. Jesus must continue on the pathway of God's mission and go to Jerusalem to suffer and die for the sins of the world and restore the world to God through his own precious blood. Just as he did with Moses and his companions from ancient days, God again speaks to those on the mountaintop. This is my son, whom I have chosen, he says of Jesus. Listen to him. Dear saints, although we don't have the sound and light show that the disciples did on the Mount of Transfiguration in our gospel reading, We don't have to ascend the mountain to find God. No, God comes down to us. We have a down-to-earth God. While we gather in this simple church building, we don't see Jesus in radiant glory with clothes as bright as a flash of lightning. Nonetheless, God, who is omnipresent, present everywhere, is personally here in our midst. He's working in special ways unlike anywhere else. He brings his grace, his divine help and salvation. He reveals them to us in his word and through his sacraments, bringing divine forgiveness, favor, help, and blessing for us. And so, It is good for us to be here in the presence of Christ who faithfully followed his father's will and the way to the cross, suffering and dying for the sins of the world and for you. He triumphs over death with his mighty resurrection. Here and now in the person of the risen, crucified Christ in God's reign of grace and his realm for eternity. God comes into our world and into our time, and the Christ continues to bless his church, his people, his family, his flock. Even though he is invisible to our human eyes, a hidden God, Jesus, he stands before us in the fullness of his glory at the font, at the altar, and in his word. The pastor simply delivers these sacraments that are for the adopted and the anointed, chosen people of God 
through Jesus the Christ. And so, it is vital that we keep gathering, that we continue to listen to Jesus, to hear his word. For if we keep steadfast in our faith by continuing to listen to him, we share in everything that he promises. We share in what Peter, James, and John saw in today's gospel reading as a preview for what we will see ourselves. Through faith in Jesus Christ and our almighty God, we will be in the company of Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John and all the saints throughout time. Today, we may not be inspired by the theatrics of an inspirational religious mountaintop experience or performance, but through faith in Christ, we are confident and sure in our hope that we will see his shining face and clothes as white as lightning. We will see our Savior in all of his glory, not for a fleeting glimpse, not for a fleeting instance, but for all eternity. The disciples. They were left all alone with Jesus after this. It was a thrilling but frightening experience for them. And one which they did not share with others until after Jesus had risen from the dead himself. And that's given to us in Mark 9, 9. It was then that they began to understand what they had seen. A foretaste of the resurrection to come, a foretaste of heaven. Here is God's answer to the question of who this Jesus is. This is my son. Listen to him. And may this give you peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.